All right. Thanks for tuning in to Bible Study Live, whether you're watching it live or after the fact. Thanks so much for tuning in. Today we're going to talk about, are, are you reading your Bible too much? Is that even possible? Uh, I'm going to say it is, and I'll explain why in just a minute. But before we get started, the whole purpose of Bible Study Live is, uh, as I wrestle through the scriptures, is to create conversation without condemnation. It's uh, a place to ask questions, to wrestle with scripture together. Um, I'd love it if you pop in the comments, say hello. On most of the platforms we're streaming to, it should show it, uh, but it, it's not guaranteed that it'll show it on all of them. So uh, with that being said, we're going to dig into some scriptures today. Now, as I pointed out at the at the open, uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of pastors talking about, you know, the chaos that's going on in the world today. And by chaos, I mean like all the different stuff, right? We have people taking uh, their kids to drag shows, which to me is no worse or better than taking your kid to a burlesque show, right? I mean, it's all just a hot mess. And I hear a lot of pastors saying, you know, the reason the world is in the, in the disaster area that it's in is because people are not reading their Bibles. And um, I'm like, well, I see a bunch of people who call themselves Christians uh, who spend a lot of time reading their Bible. And I would argue that maybe the bigger problem is that Christians, Christians, I'll put it in quotes, are are spending too much time in their Bible and not enough time living it out like Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean, here's the deal. Um, well, uh, let me ask you a question. Maybe this will start us off in the right direction. Uh, what, what version of the Bible did Jesus carry around with him? What, what, uh, what Bible did the disciples carry around with them? Oh, the correct answer is none. They didn't have one. Now, the reality is they did have the Holy Scriptures, but they didn't have them like we do. They didn't have it to carry around on an iPad or even a printed Bible or any of that stuff. Um, they had to memorize the Scripture. And one would say, well, what would be the purpose of memorizing it? It wasn't just because they weren't like, oh, man, we should memorize this because nobody's invented the printing press yet. It was, hey, we need to memorize this because God's Word needs to be written on our hearts so that we can live this out. Let me say it again. Live this out out the whole purpose of knowing god's word is to put it into action in our lives and so today we're going to look at a couple different scripture passages um and we're going to wrestle through some of this stuff because the reality is you could spend all the time in the world knowing your bible you can quote a whole bunch of bible scriptures but have you ever met a christian who uh could quote a million scriptures but man they sure didn't seemed like they loved anybody have you ever met that angry christian that was so mad at every single person like uh they knew their bible inside and out at least here but they didn't seem to know it here in their heart right their their actions their behaviors didn't didn't resemble that of the jesus that you read about in the bible have you ever met someone like that i know i have uh and i'm sure i'm not the only one so anyways, let's dig into some scriptures today. Uh, it won't be a long one, but I hope it'll be a very valuable one. By the way, uh, if you're watching this, do me a favor, share it out. Uh, do Actually, do other people a favor, share it out, so that they can wrestle with these questions too. All right, let's get going. We're going to start in the book of John, uh, chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 11 through 15. Uh, this is Jesus speaking, and I'm reading from the message translation. Whatever translation you're reading from is fine, uh, just so you know. I'm not going to bag on you for whatever translation you prefer they've all done their due diligence and short of a few discrepancies that biblical scholars disagree on here and there they're all telling the same story okay so here we go uh i like the message because it's very reader friendly 
So sometimes I really just enjoy using it. So it says, I've, Jesus said, I've told you these things for a purpose, that my joy might be your joy and your joy wholly mature. This is my command. Love one another the way I loved you. This is the very best way to love. Put your life on the line for your friends. You are my friends when you do the things I command you. I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the father. Okay. So Jesus spelling out to his disciples, they're friends. They're not servants anymore because now they've got the full story. He says, I've let you in on everything I've heard from the father. Okay. Now, how does this tie into reading your Bible too much? Well, here's the reality. Um, if we spend all day, every day with our nose in our Bible, just like if we spent all day, every day with our nose in social media, uh, we wouldn't be able to go out and love one another. We wouldn't be able to bring joy to one another. Could you imagine if everybody who followed Jesus or who said they followed Jesus, because I'm going to argue that in a moment, but could you imagine if everybody who said, oh yeah, no, I'm a Christian. If all they did all day was read their Bible. Well, what's the purpose of reading it? It's, Jesus didn't say, hey, you all need to bury your nose in the scriptures and hide away. Like that's what the, the Essians did, right? Like they, they went out and they were like, Hey, let's go, let's go hide in the caves. Let's go get in the Bible or the scriptures, Tanakh, Torah, right? The old Testament as we call it. Uh, let's go bury ourselves in the Holy scriptures and get out of the world, right? That's how they behaved. And that wasn't the right way to rock and roll with God. God didn't say, what I want you to do is separate yourself from one another and don't be in community. No, 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 no. See, there are those people who think I, all I need is the Bible. Well, God didn't think that was all you needed. God also thought you needed community with other people. Uh, that's why he created more than one person. Like, don't you think if God just wanted us to be in the scriptures, he would have just been like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to pen these real quick before I create Adam. And then I'm going to hand him the book and go, Hey, just you in the book. That's all you need, bro. Just stay in the book course he would have but obviously he didn't so one would have to say why well here's the deal we know the world has fallen right we know that our world is, is broken right we, we get it we know it uh but here's the deal um isn't it the responsibility of those who are trying to follow jesus isn't it our responsibility to bring a little heaven to earth isn't it our responsibility to try and help unbreak it well you don't unbreak it by validating things that go against God. You don't unbreak it by spending all day at home with your nose in your Bible. You unbreak it by being like Jesus. Let's look at some more scriptures here. Let's take a, a gander. <laughs> I said gander. That's so weird. Uh, like I'm a hundred. Uh, let's take a peek over here at uh, the book of Matthew chapter five, verses 17 through 20. Now this is all part of a bigger, you know, sermon on the Mount stuff, but I digress. Verse 17, Jesus talking again, says, don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. I'm going to put it all together, put it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after the stars burn out and the earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working. 
Trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialized yourself. But take it seriously. Show the way for others and you will find honor in the kingdom. Unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Let's break down some of those verses really quick because this is important stuff here. Okay, so first thing, Jesus says, hey, don't think for a minute I came to destroy the, the scriptures, law or prophets. What, what does Jesus mean when he, when he goes into that and says, I'm here to put it all together. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky. Well, Jesus was asked at another point what the greatest commandment was. And his response was, well, that's simple. And then he quotes Shema, right? Part of the Shema. And he says, love Lord God with everything you got. He goes, and the second one, which is real close, is love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say all the law and the prophets hang from these two things. So take that in conjunction with what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, look, I'm not here to demolish it, but complete it. Well, what is the law? Well, most important thing, meaning every piece of the law hangs on the, the, the two things Jesus said, loving God and loving others. So to complete it, Jesus came to show us how to love God and how to love others. He says, God's more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. So the importance of loving God and loving others, the importance of that, that's how you be a Christian. That's how you be a follower of Jesus, is, is to love God and to love the people around you. If we spend all day in our Bible with our nose in our Bible and all we do is read the Bible, we don't get to live the life that Jesus called us to in the Bible. See, there are a lot of Christians that know the word of God. They know it, but they don't show it. Oh, I'm starting to rhyme like Pastor Bobby Davis. <laughs> I love our pastor. He's, he's amazing. Our, our head pastor at our church. He's awesome, dude. He rhymes all the time, though. Cracks me up. Uh, but that's the thing. A lot of Christians, though, we know it, but we don't show it. We know the word, but we don't live the word because we isolate ourselves from people how can we make disciples if all we ever do is interact with people in our church how can we make disciples if all we ever do is sit at home with our nose in our bible bible means book just so you know literally that's what the word means holy bible means holy book but did you know my friends none of jesus disciples had a bible they didn't carry one around and all of them actually were imperfect at memorization. How do we know this? Well, because they were told by all the other rabbis, they weren't good enough to be a rabbi. They didn't have it all down. That's why they were working in a trade. That's why they weren't rabbis themselves. They were told, mm, go work in the family business. Go work in a trade. You're not good enough to do what I do. You can't go teach God's word. So not only did no one have a printed Bible to carry around, I mean, different there were different scrolls that were copied by hand and kept typically like in the temple, right? So these guys didn't have the scriptures with them other than what was here. And what they had here was imperfectly remembered anyway, kind of like you and me. Yet Jesus called them to follow him. He didn't call them to, hey, go spend your time in the scriptures. He called them to follow him. There's a moment, such a great moment, where Jesus is dining with a bunch of people of ill repute, <laughs> a bunch of tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes. He's hanging out at Matthew's house. They're having a meal. And a couple of the religious leaders walk up and they're like, 
you know, hey, what is your, what's your teacher doing eating with these dregs of society, these losers? And what does Jesus do? He quotes a scripture that he does have memorized, Hosea 6.6. 6, and he says, hey, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Well, why would he say something like that? Because the Pharisees, they knew everything to the letter. They had it all memorized. The religious leaders did. And they were doing the sacrifices. They were going through the motions. But what they were missing was living. What they were missing was living. See, they knew what God said to do. Yet here they were seeing the lost, seeing those who more than ever needed God in their life. And they just went... <laughs> These guys are garbage. Instead of trying to heal the broken world that they lived in, they were just trying to isolate themselves from the broken people so they wouldn't get the stink of sin on them. And I think today, pastors aren't wrong when they say people need to spend more time in the Bible if they're talking about people that don't know God. I think our world is broken in a lot of ways. Because many Christians, or many people who identify as Christian, uh, don't spend enough time understanding God's Word, getting to know how to live it, right? Like getting to know truly the depth of the love of God for humanity, for this lost and hurting world. And people who don't believe in God at all, obviously a pastor wouldn't be wrong in saying, hey, they need to spend more time in their Bible, like some at all, to get to know this God who loves them. And I think when I didn't walk with God, when I wasn't a believer, part of why I didn't spend time in the Word is because based on my experience with people who called themselves Christians, I thought God didn't want anything to do with me because I was, I was those people at Matthew's house. I was the known sinner, right? The kid doing drugs, the, the one the kid selling drugs. The, the one that nobody would want, right? So how could God want me? That's just how I felt. So I didn't see love and compassion in a, in a God who wanted to help me be everything I was created to be. And a lot of people feel like that. But it's not our job as Christians to look at look look at folks who don't know God and look down on them and condemn them. It's also not our job as Christians to look at people who call themselves Christians and condemn them. But it is our job as Christians to go and make disciples. And the only way we can go and make disciples is if we interact with people, commune with people, connect with people. And the only way we'll understand what to do is if we do understand God's word and we do understand that number one, we need to love God. Number two, we need to love others. And Jesus was the perfect model for how to do that. And what did Jesus do? Man, it's almost like just about every story we see Jesus communing with people and, and sharing a meal with them. Even when there was nothing to eat, he made a meal out of like a few fish and some Olive Garden breadsticks up on a hill. Like Jesus found a way to create communal moments, to show people compassion when they needed it. As he'd walk down the street and people were hurting, he would bring healing. When people were hungry, he would bring them food. When people needed to know that they were whole, he made them whole. Like the guy whose friends lowered him through a roof. He was paralyzed. What did Jesus say? Your sins are forgiven. Why didn't he just go take your mat and walk? Well, because he knew that that guy needed more than just his legs to work. He needed to know that God saw him as whole. Maybe. 
That's what I infer from that. When I read that, I'm like, what, what possibly could be the reason that Jesus wouldn't just say, take up your mat and walk. And we could focus on him going, well, just to show you, you know, son of man, son of man has authority to do both, which he does. He goes, take up your mat and walk. But as I wrestle with, why did he start by saying your sins are forgiven? Well, here's a guy who half his body hasn't worked for God knows how long. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. See, a lot of people back then thought if you had an ailment, it was a, a, a God punishing you for your sins. And so maybe that's what this man thought. And maybe Jesus wanted him to know. That's not why. I don't know. But I know when I read it, what it, it speaks to me so loudly to what this world needs right now. Christians, can I implore you, my brothers and sisters, know your Bible. But in all of those books that are contained within this one holy book, not to mention all of the Midrash, the Jewish writings, not to mention the apocryphal literature that's, that's not in the canonized scripture, like stories of Enoch, which is funny because Jesus' disciples actually talk about Enoch, but then... <laughs> But then it wasn't part of the canon. I find that quite interesting. Um, but can I encourage you? Know your Bible. But if there's only part of it that you can just spend time in and then go live it out, grab the book of Matthew, grab the book of John, and get to know that scripture intimately well and see how we can put it into practice. What I love is that as Jesus was talking in Matthew 5, 17 through 20, what he says when he says, trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will have trivialized yourself. Well, what, what would be the smallest item? Well, when they were asked what was the greatest things, he said, love God and love others, which means every single thing falls into those categories. So basically when we're trivializing the, uh, I mean, that person, they're probably, that person with the little cardboard sign, and they're probably going to waste, the, it, it says that they need food, but they're probably going to waste it on cigarettes and alcohol. Man, if I got extra cash, I just want to be generous. I want God to keep putting it on my heart. Like, don't trivialize this person. Don't trivialize who they are. When we see people struggling with gender dysphoria, and especially this month, we see a lot of that, right? And it's easy to get angry at some of the stuff that you see, especially as it relates to kids. And I'm not saying that it's not frustrating. But also when Jesus saw people that were living apart from God, it says when he saw the multitudes, he had compassion. And they were like a sheep without a shepherd. <sighs> if we spend all of our time with our nose in our Bible, we forget to look out at this world and go. They are like sheep without a shepherd. And I need to have compassion on them. That's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Okay, and he also says one more thing there. He says, unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matter of right living. He doesn't say, unless you do far better than the Pharisees at knowing the scriptures. He doesn't say, unless you do far better than the Pharisees in memorizing your Bible. He says, unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the way you live, then you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. See, I don't think Jesus meant, and based on other, like all the translation and notes and study, that entering the kingdom does not mean, I don't believe he was talking about uh, go to heaven, right? Does it, you know, giving your life to Jesus is the way. But so what would Jesus mean 
when he says, unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the ways of right living, you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom. Well, see, when we make the choice to follow Jesus and we make the choice to live like Jesus, we're entering the kingdom life now. Let me say that again. When we choose to follow Jesus and live like Jesus, we are making the choice and we are entering into the kingdom life now. We're bringing heaven to earth now, which means we're going to love on people, which means we're going to bring healing to people, which means we're going to feed people, which means we're going to have compassion on the lost. And that's what the kingdom of God looks like. See, the Pharisees knew it here, but they didn't do it there. They weren't living like Jesus. And living like Jesus means living the way God wanted us to live. All right, last but not least, I'm going to read one more piece of scripture and then we'll wrap it up this morning. Uh, and it is 1 John 2, verses 2 through 11. And it says, the only way we to know we're in him. Here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Keep his commandments. And what, it, what, what Jesus said the greatest were, love God, love others, right? Okay. So if someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. I want to read that again. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. That means, and let me just, I'm going to just pause for one second because it's so important to me. Jesus was constantly communing with people. He made time to break off and pray. He made time to be on his own, right? He it was intentional about that. But the majority of what we see recorded was Jesus intentionally giving people his time, even though he must have been exhausted, but he still gave his time. That's so critical for us. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. Let's ask ourselves, am I looking for ways to create community with people? Am I intentionally spending time with people? Am I inviting people to my home? Am I just inviting people? Hey, let's go to the lake. Let's go on a hike. Let's go hang out. Hey, I'd love to just spend time and get to know your family. Are we doing that? If not, we have to honestly ask ourselves, are we living the same kind of life Jesus lived? My dear friends, I'm not writing anything new here. This is the oldest commandment in the book, and you've known it from day one. It's always been implicit in the message you've heard. On the other hand, Perhaps it is new, freshly minted, as it is both in Christ and you. The darkness fading and the true light already blazing. Anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates a brother or sister is still in the dark. It's the person who loves a brother or sister who dwells in God's light and doesn't block the light from others. But whoever hates is still in the dark, stumbles around in the dark, and don't, doesn't know which end is up blinded by the darkness. All right. So is lack of reading the Bible what's causing the world to be a big dumpster fire today? I would argue no. I would say there are many people who don't know God, but lost people do lost things, and that is not new. During the time of Rome, uh, the Greek rule, uh, Persia, there were people who, men who dressed as women, uh, women who dressed as men, there, there was, uh, all the stuff that like it's pride month and everybody's like spun out about all those things took place back then too. 
didn't make it right then, doesn't make it right now. But as Tony Clark says, lost people do lost things. I was lost for a long part of my life. And then even after coming to believe in God and Jesus, I still walked away and spent a little over six years wandering around in the dark. Just, it, it is true. I got lost again during that time. And the reality is this. The world is in a bad way. And we need to have compassion. Because they are like sheep without a shepherd. And to my Christian brothers and sisters, can I encourage you? I'm so grateful that you want to get in God's word and know God's word and do your 365 days to read the Bible or your devotional in the Bible app. All those things are good, right? They're good things. But sometimes we bury ourselves in the study so we can avoid the life we have to step up and live. Sometimes we bury ourselves in the book to avoid having to live the life we're called to. But I want to challenge you. I hear all this talk of revival. I see all these posts from my friends out west about revival is coming. And my friends here in the south, like, we need a revival. And everybody's talking about this big movement of God. Do you know where it starts? You. You. Revive your soul. Revive your spirit. You, me, we need to be revived. If you've been dead in your spiritual walk, if you've been spending all your time with your head in the book and zero time going out and living like Jesus, it's time for your revival. See, the way that big massive revival that everybody talks about and is hyped about, the way that actually happens is one person at a time waking up. Waking up to the life that God has called us to live. Can I encourage you? to wake up to the revival inside of you that God is calling you to. Can I challenge you? Wake up, sleeper. The revival is inside you. God has been calling you out. He's calling you to rise up like Lazarus out of that grave. It's time to come back to life in your spiritual walk and start walking like Jesus. That's what I'm taking from all this this morning. And I hope you took something good out of it too. Listen, I appreciate you tuning in. Thank you so much. If this was valuable to you, would you please share it with somebody else? Uh, you're watching it on a, a social media channel. So please share it on that one. If you thought it was horrible and didn't benefit you in any way, feel free to leave that in the comments as well. Uh, this is my Bible study live that I'm sharing with you. And uh, I pray that God would use it to stir your heart for him and for his creation. God, thank you for the people that are tuning into this. Thank you for the people that aren't. God, thank you for creating humanity and loving us enough to send Jesus for us. And uh, God, thank you for not giving up on us, even when we give up on ourselves and each other. Lord, we pray for your wisdom, for your strength, and we pray for the capacity to love bigger than we're capable of. We praise you and bless you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Remember, no matter where you're at, you're just one moment away from taking a step closer in your walk with Jesus. Take that step today. See you tomorrow. Ooh, ah.